everyone, and welcome to episode 60 of Minds Over Money. I'm your host, Cameron Brady, and on this week's episode, I'm covering three headlines from last week that directly impact the economy, as well as have potential implications on your own investment portfolios. And those headlines are, U.S. port backups are extending into freight rail supply chains, consumer sentiment at record low is another ominous sign for the economy, and what is the federal gas tax holiday and how much would you save at the pump? In addition to those headlines, I'm also covering another financial planning topic, and this week it's what today's retirees want future retirees to know. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. This week's first headline is U.S. port backups are extending into freight rail supply chains. The congestion is raising costs and adding complications for importers managing the flow of goods in a fragile U.S. economy. Port bottlenecks that have tied up U.S. supply chains are spreading from the docks to the country's freight rail networks, raising costs and adding new shipping complications for importers trying to manage the flow of goods. Some retailers are waiting weeks to move cargo by train out of Southern California's ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, while others are giving up on the railroads and shifting shipments of furniture, apparel, and other consumer goods to trucks for long inland journeys on highways. The backups stretch to major freight hubs including the key transit point at Chicago, where containers have been piling up at rail yards. The congestion has led BNSF Railway Company, a unit of Berkshire Hathaway, and one of the main rail operators connecting the U.S. West Coast to inland points to limit the number of boxes the railroad will carry out of the Southern California port complex. The congestion in intermodal operations, which combine truck and rail transport for longer freight hauls, is adding to delays in getting goods to distribution centers and stores. It also adds to headaches for retailers coping with inventories that are mismatched to shifting consumer buying patterns and raising shipping expenses at a time when transportation costs are contributing to decades-high U.S. inflation. U.S. importers have struggled for more than a year with weeks-long waits for vessels to unload at the California ports, the main U.S. gateway for goods from Asia. A vessel queue for bursts that reached more than 100 ships in January fell below 20 this month its lowest level since July of 2021. About 29,000 boxes were being held in container yards at the Port of Los Angeles this month, awaiting pickup by rail, more than triple the usual number, according to the port's executive director. The Pacific Merchant Shipping Association says rail containers waited at the Los Angeles and Long Beach ports on average of 11.3 days in May. 18% longer than in April, and tripled the average wait time at the start of the year. The two railroads that serve the ports, Union Pacific and BNSF, say the delays in picking up boxes are being caused by congestion at freight switching yards thousands of miles inland in logistics hubs like Chicago. Transportation and logistics companies say containers are stacking up there because manufacturers and retailers are too slow to pick up and unload cargo. A Union Pacific representative said cargo owners need to handle their shipments in a timely manner so inland terminals remain fluid and we can continue to move containers from the ports. The rail congestion revives backups that overwhelmed freight hubs last summer when railroads coping with growing stacks of containers in Chicago and other sites stopped accepting shipments from ports for days or weeks so they could clear the backlog. Domestic supply chains are struggling to handle surges of cargo that are whipsawing freight operations. Intermodal volumes have swung sharply over the past year, 
dropping rapidly through last summer and fall, then snapping back over the past six months. Transportation and logistics executives say shortages of warehouse workers and truck drivers, as well as the steel trailers needed to haul containers between rail yards and warehouses, are contributing to the delays. Two years ago, supply chains were not a common topic of conversation. Now, after supply chain disruptions are affecting everything from microchips to Christmas trees, it seems the issue is everywhere all of the time. A significant reason for record levels of inflation is the fact that costs to move products and materials around the globe have increased due to a multitude of reasons, including a labor shortage. With the U.S. supply chain still dealing with entanglements and backups, expect delayed deliveries and missing items from store shelves until the larger issues can be ironed out. This week's second headline is consumer sentiment at record low is another ominous sign for economy. High inflation weighs on Americans' views and new home sales rose in May. Consumer sentiment fell to its lowest point on record, reflecting that elevated inflation is weighing on Americans' moods and adding to indicators that point to a slowing of the world's largest economy. The University of Michigan's gauge of consumer sentiment reached a final reading of 50 in June. That was the lowest reading on record going back to 1952 and down from both an initial reading earlier in the month and May's 58.4 reading. New home sales rose 10.7% in May to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 696000 Economists, however, expect rising mortgage rates to weigh on sales later this year. A souring mood for consumers who face the highest rate of inflation in four decades is a concerning sign because household spending accounts for about 70% of U.S. economic output. Retail sales fell in May, the first decline this year, and job and wage growth slowed last month. And as discussed in last week's episode, economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal have raised the probability of recession. The International Monetary Fund said last Friday it lowered its growth outlook for the U.S. economy to 2.9% for 2022 from its April forecast of 3.7% gain. For 2023, the group now sees the U.S. growth slowing to 1.7%, compared with the 2.3% expansion it projected in April. The forecast is one of several recent projections expecting a slowdown. The group attributed the revision to a significant acceleration in inflation and continued supply chain constraints. Despite such challenges, the IMF managing director said the group sees the U.S. narrowly avoiding falling into a recession citing the strength of its economy going into the current difficult cycle and significant household savings. Meanwhile, the Michigan survey showed about 79% of consumers surveyed expressed pessimism about the future business conditions, the highest level since 2009, and 47% blamed inflation for eroding their living standards. The survey, however, did find consumers lowered their view of long-run inflation to 3.1%, from a mid-month reading of 3.3%. The final June reading is back within the 2.9% to 3.1% range seen in the past 10 months. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said last week that rising inflation expectations played a role in the central bank's decision to lift its benchmark interest rate by 0.75 percentage points, the largest increase since 1994. Increased interest rates are intended to combat inflation and will result in Americans paying more to borrow for homes, cars, and on their credit cards. 
The average 30-year fixed-rate mortgage rose to 5.81% in the week ending last Thursday, the highest since 2008, according to Freddie Mac. Sales of previously owned homes, the bulk of the housing market, slid for a fourth straight month, declining 3.4% in May. That contrasted with May's new home sales, which bounced back last month after falling 12% in April. The hits just keep on coming. To end the first half of the year, it appears the data collected on our economic output is solidly pointing to a downturn in growth, if not an eventual recession at some point in 2023. Again, as I stated last week, trying to predict or forecast a recession is extremely difficult and oftentimes wrong. It seems someone has been forecasting a recession every year for the past 10 years. What you should do to guard yourself from an eventual recession or slowdown in global growth is to maintain your discipline when it comes to your investments, review your rebalancing strategy, double-check your emergency fund, and review your savings goals. This week's third headline is, what is the federal gas tax holiday and how much would you save at the pump? What President Biden's call for suspending federal gas taxes would mean for drivers' wallets. A federal gas tax holiday would aim to lower the cost of filling up your car, but politicians and economists are divided over how much help it would provide. President Biden has called for a three-month suspension of the federal gasoline tax as consumers cope with near-record prices at the pump. The tax holiday is intended to provide relief to millions of Americans by temporarily pausing the 18.4 cent tax on every gallon of gasoline. The measure doesn't seem to guarantee to pass. It would require congressional approval, with lawmakers in both parties expressing some misgivings about the plan. Moreover, economists say much of the savings might not end up reaching consumers' wallets. Still, tax policy around gas is likely to remain hotly debated at the federal and state level as prices remain elevated. Here's what you need to know. So what is a federal gas tax holiday? A gas tax holiday would give drivers a temporary break at the pump as fuel costs hover near record highs. A federal gas tax of 18.4 cents a gallon on gasoline or 24.4 cents a gallon on diesel is included in the total price displayed on gas pumps across the country. Eliminating the tax could represent a 3.7% discount on a $5 gallon of gas, though it is unclear how much of the savings will actually reach consumers. State taxes tend to be much higher than the federal levy, which is why Mr. Biden is also calling for more states to follow suit. Any suspension of the federal gas tax, which has been unchanged since 1993, would require an action from Congress. The tax holiday would cost roughly $10 billion, according to the Biden administration. Since this revenue funds infrastructure spending, President Biden said that money could be replaced from other revenue streams without sacrificing needed highway projects. So how much money could this save drivers? The gas tax holiday wouldn't mean consumers automatically save 18.4 cents a gallon. Economists say a variety of factors would likely eat into the potential discount. An analysis by the University of Pennsylvania found that the president's proposed three-month suspension would save Americans an average of $5 to $14 in total. This calculation assumed an increase in gas consumption and that roughly 80% of the savings, or 14.72 cents a gallon, would be passed on to consumers. Some economists think that number is high and only about 9 cents will be passed on to consumers, while others believe that the oil and gas industry 
will most likely pocket the tax savings and consumers will not see any reduction in prices at the pump. So what impact would the tax holiday have on driver behavior? Patrick DeHaan, head of petroleum analysis at price tracking app GasBuddy, said over time, the holiday could boost demand and exacerbate the imbalance between supply and demand that has caused prices to surge to records. Some of the benefits of the holiday would likely be offset without a corresponding increase in gas supplies. That is because boosting Americans' demand for gas could push prices even higher. Which leads to the question, why are gas prices so high? Gas prices surged following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which disrupted the global oil market. A gallon of regular unleaded gasoline averaged about $4.96 last Wednesday in the U.S. That is down slightly from the record of just under $5.02, which was just set June 14th. Gasoline prices have climbed to record levels in part because U.S. refineries have reduced their capacity by about 800,000 barrels a day since the pandemic began. Overall inflation is the highest in decades, running at 8.6% in May. The price of gas has been one of the most visible areas of inflation, along with food, electricity, transportation, and housing. So have gas taxes been suspended before? This would be the first federal gas tax suspension, but a handful of states have already imposed similar measures. Maryland, Georgia, and New York implemented state gas tax holidays, with some New York counties providing additional relief for consumers. Connecticut enacted a state gas tax relief effective April 1st, suspending some of its taxes, and Florida is set to lift its state gas tax for the month of October. In Illinois and Colorado, governors delayed planned tax and fee increases. Various states, including California, Michigan, and Missouri, proposed legislation for different forms of state gas tax relief, but there are no immediate actions on the table. Compared with the 18.4 cent a gallon federal tax, the average combined state excise tax and other state taxes is 38.69 cents a gallon. In Maryland, 72% of tax savings during the state tax holiday were passed on to consumers, followed by 71 to 87% in Connecticut and 58 to 65% in Georgia. As we enter the peak summer travel season, it seems like everyone is focused on the historic prices seen at gas pumps all around the country. With a proposed federal gas tax holiday and some states already suspending their gas tax, some relief is on the way for Americans at the pump. But it is still unclear how much of the savings will be passed on to consumers. Don't expect to see a dramatic price reduction due to action from the federal government. In fact, the gas tax holiday could create more demand for gasoline and increase prices further. This week's financial planning topic is what today's retirees want future retirees to know. U.S. retirees have some advice for their younger selves, and by extension, anyone who has yet to retire. Save more, save earlier, make a financial plan for retirement, and don't forget to account for taxes and inflation. They'll hit you harder than you expect. Those are the key takeaways from a survey of more than 1,100 U.S. retirees by the Employee Benefit Research Institute, which was conducted this spring. The respondents were between ages of 55 and 80 and had assets ranging from $50,000 in total to $5 million, not including home equity. The median time spent in retirement by those surveyed was seven years. Overall, 70% of respondents would have advised their younger selves to change their past financial habits so that they could have saved and invested more and started sooner. When asked what they would have done differently to save more for retirement, 
Respondents gave open-ended answers ranging from taking fewer vacations or saving less for their children's college education to avoiding 401k loans or investing more aggressively and working more closely with a financial planner. Roughly half, 49% of all survey respondents, said they wish they'd started planning for retirement earlier. Unsurprisingly, 55% of respondents with the least amount of assets under $500,000 were most likely to say they wish they'd started saving earlier. But a still high percentage, 40%, of those with between $500,000 and $2 million felt the same way, as did 23% of people whose assets exceeded $2 million. The power of compounding and the power of dollar cost averaging by investing small amounts steadily over time are the best things retirement savers have going for them. The earlier they start saving, the bigger their nest eggs will be the day they retire. Factor in inflation. The survey was conducted between April 26th and May 8th, a period during which historically high inflation had already taken hold. When asked what their top financial worries are today, inflation took the number one spot. That's up from number four position when respondents were asked what their top financial concerns for retirement were five years before they retired. The rise in concern over inflation between pre-retirement and post-retirement indicates that many retirees were not expecting or adequately prepared for high inflation rates. And don't forget about taxes. Taxes may be one of life's few certainties, but in retirement, it's not clear to a lot of people just how big or small a bite they'll take from their various income sources. Nearly half of the survey respondents, 48%, said they didn't understand how taxes would affect their finances in retirement. And nearly 40% said they are paying different taxes than they expected. A majority of this group said they're paying more than they expected, but only 23% of all respondents said the same. A retiree's income sources may include one or more of the following. Social security benefits, pension payments, annuity payments, required minimum distributions from tax-deferred IRAs or 401ks, withdrawals from taxable brokerage accounts, and tax-free withdrawals from Roth IRAs. How much you'll end up paying in taxes will depend on several factors, including whether the state you live in imposes income or investment taxes or exempts social security benefits from taxation and whether your overall income will put you above the federal taxable thresholds for social security benefits and capital gains. Make a plan. The EBRI survey found that only 4 in 10 retirees had both spelled out their financial goals and written down a financial plan for themselves during their careers. Among those who had, 65% said they had worked with a financial planner and that group was also least likely to say they would have changed any of their financial habits before retirement in order to have a better financial situation today. Among those who said they'd used a financial advice professional, 90% said they felt the value they'd received from the experience outweighed the cost. But among the group that said they had not worked with a professional, 47% said they would have benefited from speaking with one during their career. It is very easy to give a younger version of yourself life advice, mainly because you have the experience to help avoid the mistakes you made along the way. Don't let yourself come to this realization about your retirement too late. Come up with a plan that works for you. Be disciplined with your investments and savings goals. Know what issues you are likely to face in retirement like taxes, social security benefits, Medicare, and legacy planning. And finally, find someone you trust to walk the path with you so that when you have questions or concerns, you have someone to game plan with. 
If you and your life savings are being ignored or feeling taken advantage of, come join our family. We are a family-owned financial planning and investment advisory firm who promise to treat you like family. No products, no hard sell, no gimmicks, just honest advice based on our four decades of experience. If you have any questions on this week's episode or are interested in getting an unbiased opinion on your finances, please give us a call at 440-235-2100 or email me at Cameron at MichaelBradyCo.com. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Mm-hmm.